Hello, and welcome to the 15th episode of the Queen Bee Book Club podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Cher. And we are the Queen Bees. And today we are doing Helter Skelter. Yes. The true story of the Manson murders. Which is actually perfect that we're doing Helter Skelter now because it was a request by my best friend Quentin. Yes. And in the same week that we were discussing Helter Skelter, he finally sent me his um, logo design for us. Which, like, I think was not a coincidence. Like, I Maybe think he was, he was, he was holding He was holding out on us until we did it. When will they do it? something for me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a fair trade. But yeah, our logo, our new logo was designed by my very talented best friend. Please submit all of your design inquiries to him should you need them. Yeah, it looks great. I'm really happy with it. Me too. I think it, we look like a real podcast now. We do. We really do. Instead of my... Um, my design that was done on uh, preview on the, on the <laughs> Mac. <laughs> and, like, using emojis. Right, exactly. I, actually, what I did was I took a screenshot on Snapchat, put it on my computer. Oh, my God. And, uh, I, I, don't know, on I don't know how. Oh, I do know how we were able to get that up to the pixels we did because I manipulated right. it somehow, which, like, I'm surprised it didn't look, like, really pixely. Yeah. It looked great. It looked well, fine. I have not seen our Twitter, like, header since I did this, but I updated our Twitter header to, like, just our faces from that. Good. So it, we still have our little emoji hats. I like that. But, like, if it's on the computer and it's, like, pixelated and looks horrible, it's not my fault because I did it on my phone. I think it's probably fine. I mean, like, who's actually, like, looking at Twitter on a computer these days? We're going to our full profile. Just follow us and... I mean, I guess. I mean, I go to, I, I go to your profile. Yeah, I go lot. to yours too. Well, I never see my friends' tweets unless I do that. Yeah. Well, I think now I have obsessively liked your tweets enough that Twitter knows to <laughs> Twitter put knows you, what you, you what you're my looking feed. for. Yeah, they're like, we know what you like. <laughs> you like this? Sever Snape tweets and <laughs> um, like radical feminism. Right. Perfect. Thank you. That is what I like. That is the algorithm that I'm interested in. And the occasional green smoothie. <laughs> so. Twitter's doing a great job. Yes. Um, so how have you been this past week? Good. I mean, it's freaking cold outside. It is cold. Yeah. Um, I really, really thought we were going to get a snow day today. We did not. I think the, like, high school and elementary school kids got snow days. F them. Whatever. Which, okay, I'm... so again, though, like, I'm from upstate New York, so the idea that this would constitute a snow day is just, I don't understand. I know, I know. But I but guess... But, like, obviously you want one. But I, I just don't understand, like, what about today meant a snow day. Well, I think originally they were thinking... It's going to be icy? Well, not even that, but I think they thought it was going to be snowing through 7 a.m. Oh. And if that's the case, then I think, like, the trains don't run correctly, potentially. Interesting. I don't know. I know that there's something about, like, the temperature. If the temperature is below a certain amount, the trains won't run right. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the trains don't run right under perfect conditions. True. So st- I don't it's really a true know. story. It's a true story. <laughs> I'm not making excuses. My train was delayed today, but I mean, it's fine. I feel like there was something that I wanted to bring up when we were literally walking into the library, and now I don't remember. Maybe it was that we're back recording in the library. Oh yeah, we're in the library today. We're not at my cozy house. Even though I really enjoyed to record. I liked your it house. too. Brendan was like, "Did you guys hate it or something? Like, why aren't you coming back?" I'm like, "It's a lot of effort to do that, and like, this is a better meeting point." Yeah. But I mean, I I would do it again. Definitely. I think it opens up a possibility. Now that I have a car, like, it's pretty easy for me to just drive to your house. Yeah. 
Um, we also went to Taco Bell. We did. It was which so is nice. Everyone's favorite choice. I know. It was so nice. Um, so yeah, we had a great time last week. Yeah, we had a great time last week. <laughs> I I had a great time this week. Um, both of us are having nightmares right. <laughs> from this book. Um, I've had two. I've only had one, and it was last night. But I also I, it, the here's I will say. <laughs> As, like, somebody who is so saturated with true crime, like, I listen to true crime podcasts all day long. Mm-hmm. All I watch is true crime TV. Yeah. And, like, nothing has ever given me nightmares except for this and PLL. <laughs> so. What about those two shows or two, like, things do you think well, okay, makes your nightmares? I, okay. So, PLL, I know exactly what it is. It's because, like, my biggest fear is, like, being stalked or watched yeah, and like and like not being able to avoid that so like that makes sense that yeah. that would freak me out but with this i think there's like a different there's a difference to um reading something versus listening or watching yes. it i think because i think like you just have to think about it more i 100% agree with that because this as i've said on previous podcasts this is my favorite crime and I've listened to podcasts about it. I've watched movies about it. I like any like show that's like inspired by the Mansons. I've been like yes in all the way, and it has never affected me until now. Like I've never had like dreams about it. I've never been like creeped out in my apartment by myself. Yeah. Before like obviously like the Mansons aren't gonna like break into my apartment. That was in the sixties, but right. Just like you're also not rich enough. Right. <laughs> it's just affecting me in a way that it never has before. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's, so speaking of being freaked out in my apartment. Yeah. So something very scary happened in my apartment this week, which like anyone would be frightened of, not just because I was reading this book, but the fact that I was reading this book made made it it so much worse. So I was like cooking dinner, listening to NPR jazz, as as Brendan said. Um, And like, I was making like a real dinner with like, you know, a salad and like a potato and then like, I mean, like just praise me (laughs) um but so while Brandon was at the gym like I so we have a garage and like the garage door opened no and I'm like fuck like I am going to be murdered in my kitchen like you knew that it was too early for Brendan to be home well and I would have heard the garage door open first so oh, you it, mean you heard the garage door, like, from your apartment? Like, the door from my <gasps> apartment to my garage opened. No. And I, like, oh I heard God. it, and then I looked and watched it opening. <gasps> and I'm like, what? And so, like, I grabbed my knife that I'm sure. chopping vegetables Good. with, and I'm like, great. Like, I, like, there's nothing I would rather, like, I would hate to stab somebody. Like, I can't think of a worse no. way to defend yeah. myself than stabbing them. Like, right. I would rather do anything else. Mm-hmm. Any other weapon. My dad continually keeps telling me to get a baseball bat and I just still haven't done it. I would rather baseball yeah, bat. Yeah, baseball bat I think would be great. You're pretty far away. Yeah, I and think. you just swing. It's like playing a game. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but I think like there's something like Brendan has always told me like if you ever have to stab somebody, slash and don't stab because you uh, will get your knife stuck and then yeah, you'll get and then, screwed. And then you're close. And, and so yeah. then now I'm afraid to stab somebody yeah. <laughs> in self-defense. <laughs> so anyway, um, I like the idea of Brendan coaching you, like, when you're just at home. I like the idea of, like, every now and again, Brendan turning to you and being like, so, Cher, here's the deal. If you ever have to, <laughs> if you ever get into hand-to-hand combat. It does, it does happen. 
Um, <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> it does happen, yeah. <laughs> He's taught me how to pepper spray. Perfect. Um, yeah. I mean, anyway. So, so I'm, like, standing in the kitchen, backed into the corner with my big knife. And, like, instead of calling the police, which, like, I should have done, mm-hmm. I called Brendan at the gym. I'm like, you need to get back here immediately. Because I'm like, he's going to be faster to get back here. Right. Um, and so he did. And it, like, turned out that it had just been a gust of wind under my garage. Uh-huh. Because, like, I guess, like, like a lot of garage doors, like, you don't necessarily have to turn the handle. Like, it can just, like, be blown. Mm-hmm. But, like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. So, wait, so the timeline of this was the door blew open and then you just, like, hid with a knife? I didn't hide. I stood in plain sight and watched the door. Okay. But, like, in the time that it took for Brendan to come home, like, what did you do? I was standing there Watching to see if someone came inside. So so it was your idea that someone just, like, did that? Like, I thought that maybe somebody had been hiding in my garage and then was waiting because he thought that somebody was gone and was going to rob us. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then he heard you calling and was like, shit. But then obviously couldn't come and close the door. Yes. Got it. Okay. And so then when Brendan got back, he took my knife and then, like, stormed into the garage. <laughs> um, and, was, <laughs> and, like, looked under the car and stuff. And so, like, until we were, like, satisfied. If someone could fit under your Mini Cooper, I feel like they deserve <laughs> to be there. <laughs> I don't know. Well, in this book, though, like, the the part where Charles Manson is hiding <laughs> under the sink and then, like, cr- like comes out like a snake. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like in a three-inch cupboard. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, so that happened to me this week. That's awful. While I'm I was so reading this sorry. book. <laughs> it's my nightmare. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I know. I know Home Invasion is your nightmare. Home Invasion but is I, my nightmare. But I also think, like, that, that story I've told you has really freaked me out about the guy who hides in somebody's house. And, like, yeah. And so, like, I guess... My feeling is, like, if somebody's, like, breaking into your house and, yeah. like, they conf- they would, like, confront you pretty immediately. But it's, yeah. like, no. That guy hid in the attic for months. Yeah. Like, potentially years. Yeah. And then, like, bided his time. Right. And got bored and then killed you. Like, yeah. that's the worst. That's terrible. Because it's, like, you wait to, like, hear another noise and then you don't. You're, like, oh, it's just the house I'm, settling. Yeah, I'm making things up in my head. Or it's the house settling, which right. I, like, stop doing that. Yeah. House. My parents' house is old, and it settles constantly. And it scares the shit out of me every time I'm home because I'm the first bedroom door up the stairs. I'm like, I would die. I would be dead. My parents are upstairs. Our dogs are with them in kennels. Useless. Mm. Like, come on. Well, now that we've we've gotten ourselves into a, like, scared mood... <laughs> So I would like this to... This door is locked. I'm not worried about right, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was that one time that guy knocked on the door just to check on us. Yeah. Fuck that God. honestly scared me, though. <laughs> I thought we were in trouble. I'm like, what are we doing wrong? Yeah. Well, Rachel always says that I scare kind of easily. Like, like you startle easily? I startle easily. Like, a lot of the things that, like, she won't watch because she finds them scary, like, don't bother me. Like, I don't find The Walking Dead scary. Like, it doesn't... I never get scared watching The Walking Dead. Except for, like, I'm nervous for the characters. Yeah, but, but like, you're not, like, worried that that's going to happen to you. But if there's, like, a loud sound in a show, I jump every single time. Even Rachel's like, you knew it was coming. But although there's a lot of that startled. in The Walking Dead. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, shit jumping out. Yeah. I, yeah. Which can be a bummer. Um, so, Helter Skelter. I've never read Helter Skelter before. Neither have I. But I'm very familiar with it for, like, a very weird reason. 
And that is because every senior in my high school learns about Charles Manson and his murders. Which, like... Which makes okay. no sense. So, like, it's not even local know, lore to you. <laughs> it's like in upstate New York. Like, like, I'm at least from California, right? But I mean, we also have a lot of other murders to right. Well, know. and I don't know if he still does this. Um, so the teacher, his name was Mr. Crow, and he used to have all of the AP students that were seniors and all of the seniors as well. My senior year was the first year he only had AP students, so I still had him. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, this thing where, like, in our high school, it became this, like, mythic thing. Like, you learn about Charles Manson your senior year in, like, the spring. and Like, after AP tests are over. Right. Yeah. So, for the AP kids, it's after AP tests are over. But he just teach, he used to teach it to his regular kids, like, just as it happened. And I wrote here that there was, like, no real reason. Like, he never – he gave us a choice in AP. Like, do you want to do Manson or do you want to do something else? And all of us were like, Manson, please. What What? What else would you – like, um, I think I would really I like we'll to do, do some do creative little, writing assignments. I'd like <laughs> to do a little bit more about the revolution, if you wouldn't mind. Like, no. Yeah, no. This was AP, this was AP English, by the way. Oh. So it makes even less sense okay, okay, what my, we were up to. My AP English also did something bizarre. So we – um, our, my English teacher, he was like kind of like a hippie kind of a guy. He yeah. was like really into music. And so what yeah. he would have us do is write an album review. Oh, that's cool. So like we would basically animal, analyze like an album as like in a similar way that we would a novel and like yeah. find connections and like oh, an overall cool, theme. It actually was cool. And it's, I mean, I don't know. It's a cool type of writing. Yeah. Well, I was texting with my best friends, Mo and Quentin, who we all went to the same high school together. And I was saying, like, what do I have to talk about or, like, bring up in terms of this experience of, like, it being, like, such a big part of our high school experience? And Mo actually brought an interesting perspective of, like, why he might choose to teach that to us. Because she was like, I was always struck by the fact that a lot of Manson family members were kind of close to our age. They are. They're had, really young. Yeah, or They're, had, like, 17 and 18. Yeah. And they had, like, joined the family when they were younger. So it's this idea of, like, well, don't they showing say, kids that, it, like... In this, they say, like, half of them are under 18. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. And so I think... I mean, other than just it being, like, a crazy and interesting story that every high school senior loved, I think it was an idea of, like, students are impressionable and, like, maybe you should learn to be on your guard or I don't know. Those lessons were never, like, explicitly communicated to us. But, like, Mr. Crow has been, he's still... Be suspicious. He's still teaching at Leroy High School. Um, Quentin's mother had him. For senior okay. English, like okay. he's been there forever, to the point where like did he, he do the Mansons back then too? Yeah, I don't know, probably. Okay. Um, he knew the movie Helter Skelter by heart, so he would pause it before each new character, and he so he'd be like, "This is Susan Atkins, aka Sadie Mae Glutz, aka Sexy Sadie, aka blah blah blah," and then he'd press play, and he'd be like, "Sadie Mae Glutz," or "This is <laughs> Susan Atkins, aka." Whatever. And Quentin told me I also had to bring up that the first two classes we ever had with him were the literally verbatim the exact same lecture. Like, he didn't realize the second time we had him that he'd already had us. <laughs> and so he did the exact same spiel with the same jokes and the same. And all of us oh were looking God. around like, is this happening? Because he's been teaching at Lira High School for like... 40 years. And no one stopped him. No, we just <laughs> didn't dare. Like, we didn't know. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see now if uh, if I have any other. But, I mean, I obviously loved it. 
um, because it had like a cultish murder and it was in the 60s, which I was like obsessed with in high school. Yeah, I will say, okay, so I, like, I obviously knew and was aware of the Manson murders, and Mm -hmm. I knew, like, the general gist of it, but I've never really been that into them, because Mm -hmm. I think there are a couple of reasons why. (laughs) Like, number one, I am not really into cults. Okay. Like, that's not really my jam. Um, The only one I, like, like, or, like, was, like, very fascinated by was Jonestown, but, like, otherwise, I, like... I'm just, they're just not my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, like, I guess I never really felt like Charles Manson, like, like, everything was so random, I guess, which, like, I like it when you can connect something to, like, an experience in their childhood or, like, even, like, Ted Bundy being, like, I like brunettes with, like, middle parts. I'm like, (laughs) okay, like, all right, like, that's obviously weird and whatever whereas like this just felt like so messy and random and like but I would make the argument that it's not random at all well but I think that's how that's what you learned later yes well and I think like if Helter Skelter goes the same way as my memory of us learning about the Mansons when I was in high school there's a lot of other stuff that I've learned from other podcasts like about the Beach Boys and about Terry Melcher and stuff like this um that I wasn't necessarily aware of. Well, that I makes say, it seem very not random. I will say no, too. I am much more interested now that I'm reading about this. But I will I will just say, like, before reading it, it was, like, just not one of my favorite murders. Okay. That's fair. And I also think that this was one of the first murders I was ever really, like, exposed to in a big way. Like, where we, like, learned about it and talked about it and, like, watched a movie. So it was, like, it but was I, the one that started it all, I suppose. Fair enough. But I also <laughs> I, I also think, too, that, like, it makes a lot of sense why it's so popular. I mean, like, oh, there are a yeah. lot of elements to it that are, like, very clearly – I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't want to, like, dive too much into – like, I want to talk about that later once we've, like, sort of mm-hmm. gotten more into it. But um, it makes a lot of sense why it's been, like, one well, of like, the most famous. Yeah, I think it hits, like, all of the buttons. Yeah. That but, I, like, I would say, like, hit. it's, like, what are, like – probably like the top three would be this one uh oj simpson mm-hmm. and john benet yeah i hate that john benet is unsolved i hate cold cases i know well i don't know i it's like it's just pretty obvious to me that her brother did it i just wish that if you were accused of murder you would just say you know what like and there was like evidence and you actually did it i wish you would just be like yeah i, I did do it I hope John Bonet is solved one day. Oh, like, like, so, like, what else? Like, Black Dahlia. I love Black Dahlia. That's yeah. also unsolved. Yeah, but that one and is those like. In, are you talking in terms of like, like crimes as opposed to like serial killers? Because you have not named any serial killers. I'm saying I would like say in terms like of like Ted Bundy is like everybody in America yeah. knows who that guy is. Well, I would and say like Jeffrey Dahmer. Just in terms of like media attention to. Yeah. Of the crime? To a murder. Okay. Like, I, yeah, they don't necessarily have to be serial killers. Although I would argue that Manson is a serial killer. Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, it's more than three, they usually say. Right. But it's, but he, yeah. But I don't, like, it's not entirely clear, like, how many people he has killed himself at this point. Yeah. But, um. But I feel like if you're, like, teaching people that you're Jesus and (laughs) 
Well, um, and he like, and he's ultimately the controller. Like, it's like mm-hmm. it's like Whitey Bulger. It's like he didn't necessarily pull the trigger on that many people, but yeah, he he's the reason they're he's dead. the reason they're dead. Yeah. yeah, I would also Casey Anthony got Casey Anthony. Yeah, that was also one that we were like around for that we were like yeah. So but it, in terms of like, I think we can't even understand like in terms of with like Jean Benet and Casey Anthony and like. Um, What's his name? Um, this is so awful. I can only remember George Zimmerman. He killed oh, Trayvon Martin. I, I wasn't confident it was Trayvon. Yeah. Um, it was just a different media world we were living in. Yeah. Whereas, like, this was, like... The newspapers. Like, there was a detail, even though we agreed in text earlier we would do chronological yeah. through the book. But just in terms of media attention, like, there's a detail where it says, like, the New York Times didn't print stuff about crimes on the front page, but the Tate murders were on the front page of the newspaper. When the story yeah. broke. Oh, also the Unabomber. Oh, yeah. Um, That's pretty bad. Yeah, we, Brandon, <laughs> speaking of the Unabomber, who also, like, I'm going to be honest, like, I th- like I find him pretty boring. Okay, same. That's how <laughs> I felt, too. Like, I have always found the Unabomber very boring. I'm not that interested in it yeah, at all. <laughs> agreed. <laughs> but so Brandon and I, Brandon is very interested in the Unabomber. Brandon also, like, I don't know, his, like, I think he's really in- interested in the male, <laughs> like, like Brendan, like as a child, like his dream was to be a postal inspector, and so like it makes sense to me why. Like he, he wanted to go through. Oh, I thought you meant male, like M A L E, not M A I L. No, no, no. Like the <laughs> the U.S. Postal Service. That's adorable. Yeah, he like that's what he wanted to do was do like male crimes. I'm like, like you are so boring. Like why? You would have come in handy in 2001 though, when everyone was mailing everyone suspicious substances. I know, I know, I know. Well, I mean, I and I think, like, I think it's just a lot of, like, male theft that you're doing, but then occasionally mm-hmm. you get something good. Yeah. But so, um, we've been watching this, like, I don't, like, it's not, it's not a documentary, but it's, like, a non-fiction drama. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Chris Noth, isn't it? Chris Noth. How the F do you say that guy's I name? I don't even know who that is at Mr. all. Mr. Big. Oh, I don't know. He plays, he know plays the director in the I FBI. I have no awareness of what his real name okay. is. Well, I'm a big fan. Um, <laughs> he's in it. Um, there's some other famous people in it, but whatever. Who cares? But so we've been watching that, and it has been more interesting than I gave it credit for. But again, like, I still like I still find him kind of boring. I um, I feel like I saw previews for that TV show before when I was at the movie theater. Oh, that could be. I, it's on, I think we're, we're actually not Netflix. Okay. So it's on Netflix, but, um, I don't, I mean, like, I'm, like, glad we're watching it just so I, like, know more about it. But, like, I'm no more enamored of him than I was before. <laughs> also, though, it is cool because, um, the Unabomber's, um, hut or whatever <laughs> is in, um, the museum. Have you been to oh, the museum? Oh, it's in the museum? Yeah. It's not in the crime museum? No. It's in the museum. Ted Bundy's car, I think, his creepy beetle, is in the crime museum. Where's the crime museum? Why have I not been to it? I have been to it. I did not want to go, but it was the serial. Why didn't you want to go? Because I wanted to go to the museum. Okay. Um, But I did like the exhibit about the serial killers quite a bit. Okay, I would like to go to that. Um, It's in, like, Gallery Place. It's really close to the spy museum because we were going to go there, and then the line was long, and my dad was like, are you kidding me with this? We're going to the crime museum. (laughs) I've been to the spy museum like six times, but I've never been to the like I I've been there for work a couple of times. So yeah, because anyway, but. the crime museum. I yeah, I think it's it's cool. 
I was kind of pissed when we were there at first. Just is it I, one of the ones you have to pay for? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Which the museum is, too. But. You do get to um, pretend like you're a cop going into a hostile situation, though, because, like, they have, like, an area where, like, you can, like, pretend to shoot someone. Oh, cool. Which is very fun. That's, like, it's that like you kick great. down the door and you have to look both sides and shoot. So that was very fun. And um, the serial killer exhibit I liked. But other than that, I was like, whatever. I don't care about Bonnie and Clyde. Really? I mean, like, I like it's Bonnie fine, but I think that was a part of the of the part of the, the museum where I was like pissed off. Have you seen that movie with Faye Dunaway? Like no. iconic. It's so good. <laughs> Faye Dunaway is like a real hottie. Like I'm like <laughs> I would love to just wear mustard sweaters and berets and rob banks. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I want to be a prosecutor, but whatever. But in a fantasy. Land. But in a fantasy <laughs> land, I would love. To be in an abusive relationship and rob banks in a mustard <laughs> With sweater. Beatty. Yes. Okay, so now I'm flipping through to find the opening. I just think that this book opens in such a great way. So for those of you who don't know, don't know, Helter Skelter was written by Vincent Bugliosi, and he was the pro. Did I pronounce his name wrong? No. Oh, I thought you looked at me like. Mm, that's no, 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 no. That's okay. right. <laughs> um, he was the prosecuting attorney for um, for the Manson murders. And so this is a nonfiction account. It's not like... Which, like, I was wondering. Yes. Like, is that fine for prosecutors to write books about their cases? I wonder <laughs> that, too. Like, because I know, I know there's, like, been a lot of talk with the OJ stuff that, like, the judge, I think, had always wanted to write a book. But maybe it's, like, when... But like, I think, didn't they all do that except for Marsha Clark? They all wrote books, I thought. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I guess I I just like don't know I the know rules. Christopher Darden wrote a book. But do you have to be retired from the profession? Maybe, but I think Vincent Bugliosi was like because if you look, he's written like a million books since this one. He's also dead. He is. Yeah, I just looked at Vincent. He died in two thousand fifteen. Oh, I know. He wrote a book about the OJ murder. He did not work on that. Like, why did he get to do that? I don't know. Well, after he wrote this book and it became the biggest selling cr- true crime book in publishing history, which this tells me eight different times on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the front and back covers. Well, you did not miss it. So he felt it. like he was probably qualified to cover. I mean, I guess that's, that's probably true. All right. So Helter Skelter opens Saturday, August 9th, 1969. It was so quiet, one of the killers would later say, you could almost hear the sound of ice rattling in cocktail shakers in the homes way down the canyon. The canyons above Hollywood and Beverly Hills play tricks with sounds, a noise clearly audible a mile away, maybe indistinguishable at a few hundred feet. It was hot that night, not as hot as the night before, when the temperature hadn't dropped below 92 degrees. The three-day heat wave had begun to break a couple hours before, about 10 p.m. on Friday, to the psychological as well as the physical relief of those Angelinos who recalled that on such a night just four years ago, Watts Watts had exploded in violence. Though the coastal fog was now rolling in from the Pacific Ocean, Los Angeles itself remained hot and muggy, sweltering in its own emissions. But here, high above most of the city and usually even above the smog, it was at least 10 degrees cooler. Still, it remained warm, even so that many residents of the area slept with their windows open in hopes of catching a vagrant breeze. 
All things considered, it, it's surprising that more people didn't hear something. But then it was late, just after midnight, and 10050 Cielo Drive was secluded. Being secluded, it was also vulnerable. Like, what a fucking dun, dun, dun. cool way to open up yeah. a true crime book. No, it is good. It reminds me of, you know, in People vs. OJ, like, the mm-hmm. first shot of that, isn't it? It's like a dog walking down the street, and it's got, like, blood on its paws. Yep. Yes, it is. And it's, like, nighttime, and it's just, like, I love that idea of, like, starting these kind of stories with the periphery of horror, and you're kind of just, like, you're, you start out in a macro way, and you just, like, zoom in and zoom in, and there's, like, this piece. Yeah. And yet, like, there's this pocket of horror yeah. that we're about to kind of discover. I loved The People vs. O.J. Simpson. I thought it's it was excellent, masterfully done. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the Versace one. He's doing... Did um, he get Ryan, murdered? Yeah, Donatello the Versace's brother was murdered. Oh, Okay. Um, and Penelope Cruz is playing Donatella Versace. So oh, like, that'll be in. real good. I'm in. <laughs> no, that sounds great. But The People vs. OJ was, it was really, it was really it good. It was really excellent. <clears throat> All right. Should I, should I do this? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to just give like a summary of the murders for those of you who are not familiar because number one, I think it's good to have a refresher. Yeah. And there might be people who just don't know. Yeah. Okay. So, um, thanks Wikipedia for this information. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, so the first murder that happens is the Gary Hinman murder, which gets almost no attention. Truly, though. Like, literally none. <laughs> okay. And, and it has one paragraph as opposed to the 35 paragraphs the others get. So, <laughs> on July 25th, 1969, Manson sent family members Bobby Beausoleil, along with Mary Brunner and Susan Atkins, to the house of acquaintance Gary Hinman, to persuade him to turn over money Manson thought Hinman had inherited. The three held the uncooperative Hinman hostage for two days, during which Manson showed up with a sword to slash his ear. Okay. After That's that... That's not funny, but it's just, like, the idea of him, like, with a sword. I mean... Like, y- what? It's... Yeah, I know. After that, Beausoleil stabbed him into death, allegedly on Manson's instructions. Before leaving the Topanga Canyon residence, Beausoleil, or one of the women, used Hinman's blood to write political piggy on the wall to, and to draw a panther paw, a black panther symbol. So, that's that one. Okay. Gary Hinman. So, less than a month later, like two weeks later, on the night of August 8th, And, by the way, I titled this The Cielo Drive Murders because I hate that they're only called the Sharon Tate Murders. Yeah, it's really awful. Guess what? Four Four other other people people died. died. (laughs) Like, just because she was, like, Look at that on the map. I know. We just screamed that. (laughs) Anyway, it just bothers me. So I call them the Cielo Drive Murders. Okay. It's classy. I'm classy. Okay. On the night of August 8th, 1969, Tex Watson took Susan Atkins, Linda... Kasabian and Patricia Krenwinkle, several members of the Manson family, they arrived at 10,050? Yeah. Yeah. Cielo Drive. That's why I read it out in, <laughs> in, all, in, in single numbers. I'm not going to do this and humiliate myself. <laughs> There's no comma. It's hard. Um, the occupants of the house that evening, all of whom were strangers to the Manson followers, were movie actress and fashion model Sharon Tate, wife of film director Roman Polanski, who was eight months pregnant. Feel free to interject at any point, too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Her friend and former lover, Jay Sebring, a noted hairstylist, Polanski's friend and aspiring screenwriter, Wojtek Frykowski, and Frykowski's lover, Abigail Folger, heiress to the Folger coffee fortune. Polanski was in Europe working on a film project. Tate had accompanied him but returned home three weeks earlier. When the murderers arrived at the entrance of this Yellow Drive property, Watson, who had been to the house at least one other occasion, climbed a telephone pole near the entrance gate and cut the phone lines to prevent telephone access to the house. The group, the group backed their car to the bottom of the hill that led to the estate, parked, and walked back up to the house. Thinking, thinking the gate might be electrified or rigged with an alarm, they climbed a brushy embankment to the right of the gate and dropped onto the grounds. Just then, headlights approached them from farther within the angled property. Watson ordered the women to lie in the bushes. He then stepped out and ordered the approaching driver to halt. This is so sad. 18-year-old student Steve Parent had been visiting the property's caretaker, William Gerritsen, who lived in the property's guest house. Mm. I know. As Watson leveled a 22 caliber revolver at Parent, the frightened youth begged Watson not to hurt him, claiming that he wouldn't say anything. Watson first lunged at Parent with a knife, giving him a defensive slash wound on the palm of his hand, severing tendons and tearing the boy's watch off his wrist, then shot him four times in the chest and abdomen, killing him. Watson then ordered the women to help push the car further up the driveway. After traversing the front lawn and having Kasabian search for an open window to the main house, Watson cut the screen of a window. Watson took, told Kasabian to keep the watch d- to keep watch down by the gate. She walked over to Parent's car and waited. He then removed the screen, entered through the window, and let Atkins and Krenwinkel in through the front door. As Watson whispered to Atkins, a sleeping Frykowski awoke on the living room couch. Watson kicked, kicked him in the head. When Frykowski asked him who he was and what he was doing there, Watson replied, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's business. Great. On Watson's direction, Atkins found Atkins found the house the house's three other other God. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> the three other occupants, and with Kasabian's help, forced them into the living room. Watson began to tie Tate and Sebring together by their necks with rope he had brought and slung over, slung up over one of the living room ceilings beams. Sebring's protest, his second of what? Sorry, Wikipedia, you did a bad job. This is not my fault. Um, <laughs> Sebring's protest of rough treatment of the pregnant Tate prompted Watson to shoot him. Folger was taken momentarily back up to her bedroom for her purse, out of which she gave the intruder $70. After that, Watson stabbed the groaning Sebring seven times. Frykowski's hands had been bound with a towel, freeing himself, like a like, okay. Freeing himself, Frykowski began struggling with Atkins, who stabbed at his legs with the knife with which she had been guarding him. As he fought his way towards and out the door onto the porch, Watson caught up with Frykowski and struck him over the head with the gun multiple times, stabbed him repeatedly, and shot him twice. Watson broke the gun's right grip in the process. Around this time, Kasabian was drawn up from the driveway by horrifying sounds. She arrived outside the door in a vain effort to halt the massacre. She falsely told Atkins that someone was coming. Which, like, so she wasn't all the way into it. No, she... Um, I mean, we'll get to this. Yeah. Um, inside the house, Folger had escaped from Krenwinkle and fled out a bedroom door to the pool area. Folger was pursued on, to the front lawn by Krenwinkle, who caught her, stabbed her, and finally tackled her to the ground. She was then dispatched by Watson and then stabbed Folger 28 times. As Frykowski struggled across the lawn, Watson murdered him with the final flurry of stabbings. Frykowski was stabbed a total of 51 times. She's like, 
What the fuck? I mean, are you kidding me? Like, it's also, like, the thing that's insane is that these people don't even know these people. Like, it's not even like you can say these are crimes of passion. They're not. It's like, why so much overkill? In the house, Tate pleaded to be allowed to live long enough to have her baby and even offered herself as a hostage in an attempt to save the life of her unborn child. At this point, either Atkins, Watson, or or both killed Tate, who was stabbed 16 times. Earlier, as the four family members were heading out from... And when we say family, we mean the family, which is the Manson family. Um, We're heading out from Spawn Ranch. Manson had told the woman to leave a sign, something witchy. Using the towel that had bound Frykowski's hands, Atkins wrote pig on the house's front door in Tate's blood. Okay, so here's the last one that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> As if that weren't enough. <laughs> the LaBianca murders. The next night, like now they're tomorrow. Yeah. Um, of August 9th, uh, 1969, six family members, Letsy, Leslie Van Houten, Houten. Steve uh, quotation marks Clem Grogan and the four from the previous night drove out on Manson's orders. Manson gave Kasabian directions that brought the group to 3301 Waverly Drive. This was the home of supermarket executive Lino Bianca and his wife Rosemary, a dress shop co-owner. Located in the located in the Los Feliz section of Los Angeles, it was next door to a house at which Manson and family members had attended a party the previous year. As Watson related it, Manson roused the sleeping Lena LaBianca from the couch at gunpoint and had Watson bind his hands with a leather thong. After Rosemary was brought briefly into the living room from the bedroom, Watson followed Manson's instructions to cover the couple's heads with pillowcases. He bound these in place with lamp cords. Manson left, sending Krenwinkle and Leslie Van Houten to the house with instructions that the couple be killed. Watson sent the woman from the kitchen to the bedroom to which Rosemary LaBianca had been returned. He went to the living room and began stabbing Lena LaBianca with a chrome-plated bayonet. The first thrust went, to, went into the man's throat. Sounds of a scuffle in the bedroom drew Watson there to discover Mrs. LaBianca keeping the women at bay by swinging a lamp tied to her neck. Like, you go, girl. I know. Like, After subduing her with several stabs of the bayonet, he returned to the living room and resumed attacking Lena, whom he stabbed a total of 12 times with the bayonet. When he had finished, Watson carved war on the man's exposed abdomen. Returning to the bedroom, Watson found Krenwinkel stabbing Rosemary LaBianca with a wife with a knife from the LaBianca kitchen. Heeding Manson's instructions to make sure each of the women played a part, Watson told Van Houten to stab Mrs. LaBianca too. She did, stabbing her approximately 16 times in the back and the exposed buttocks. Evidence showed that many of Mrs. LaBianca's 41 stab wounds had, in fact, been inflicted post-mortem. While Watson cleaned off the bayonet and showered, Krenwinkel wrote Rise and Death to Pigs on the wall and Helter Skelter. They spelled Helter Skelter wrong. Stupid. Stupid. On the refrigerator door, all in LaBianca's blood, she gave Lena LaBianca's she gave Lena LaBianca 14 puncture wounds with an ivory-handled, two-tinned, two-tined, whatever, two-tinned, two-tined, two-tinned, whatever, whatever, carving fork, which she just left stud- jutting out of his stomach. She also planted a steak knife in his throat. So, effed up. Yeah. Patricia Krenwinkel, not that this matters, is also one of the ugliest people I've ever seen in my life. Okay, he writes that in yeah. this. He's like, she looks a like a straight girl. up dude. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I will say that I 
did a horrible thing and did Google the crime scene photos. I literally almost did it. And then I got a text from someone else. And it was like looking at my phone. I was like, you know what? I'm going to answer this text and then not look at the crime scene photos. Okay. Well, I did. (laughs) Um, Because so this book has photos in it, but they've cut the bodies out of them. Yeah. Did you notice that? I did. Um, So like you can't really see anything. um, But let me just say it was a mistake. I don't recommend you do it. But... um, Anyway, like, I think um, Ann Folger, like, literally her entire nightgown is red. Like, it like it was a white nightgown, but it's all red. Mm-hmm. Like, the war carving is horrible. Like, I mean, it's just, like, it's really beyond... I, I mean, I don't know. I watch a lot of Forensic Files. Do you ever watch that? Or mm-hmm. not really? So, like, a lot of times they show crime scene stuff, and so, like, I've seen a lot of it, and it, like, doesn't normally really bother me all that much. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I, like I've seen a lot of blood, whatever. Like, these were really beyond. And also, I think you can't usually see people's faces, and that's, like, what's bad. So, yeah. like, but this you can, and it's just really... The other one that you should never look up is the Black Dahlia, which I also have looked up, and it is horrific, because they have, like, a close-up of her face, and... She was also cut in half, so yeah. it's, like, just really brutal. But anyway, um, so wouldn't recommend that, Google, no. if you're thinking about it. Well, but thinking about that, this – I never thought – it like, in reading it, again, like, it's such a more intimate experience. But, like, the cops that found those people – What about the maid? The maid and the cops that had to go there, they were not um, – Equipped. They were not detectives. Right. And, like, not that you have to be a detective. And not that, it, like, a, as a detective, you'd be, like, seen one, seen them all. Like, and wouldn't be upset. No. But, I mean, just the idea of having to walk into a place like that and at, at first not even know, like, if the killers are still there. Yeah. And, and so that's your first thought is you're just trying to, like, figure out what's going on. And so... I don't know. I have some sympathy for the guy who ruins that bloody fingerprint by pressing the button, even though I feel like he should have maybe known not to fucking do that. Yeah. I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of shoddy police work, this whole thing. But I will say, like, that bothers me a lot less. Because, like, to, to me, like, that seems like I an think accident. He was, I think, honestly, it. I excuse it because I feel like that guy was in survival mode. Like, he wasn't a cop anymore. He was seeing things that a person should never have to see. And his brain was like, I think he later says, like, I had to get out of there. I had to leave. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that that checks out. And that's fine. You ruined some evidence. They all went to jail anyway. It's okay. <laughs> right. Well, and I think, too, like, the thing that bothers me much more is the fact that, like, a lot of the blood isn't tested. Like, yes. it's just, like, that's just, like, straight laziness. That's laziness. And, like, a lot of the prints aren't, like, fully tested. They're, they're, there's just, like, a lot of, like, cunning corners, which I'm like, this is pretty bad. It like, was high profile. Like, like, you need to be, like, doing your job. <laughs> I know. Like, the media is all up in it. Like, yeah. I don't know what these people were thinking, but mm-hmm. so that bothers me a lot. It also really bothers me that the police will not communicate with each other mm-hmm. because, I mean, obviously, when you hear about these three crimes and, like, even if you didn't know who did them, the fact that, like, mm-hmm. pig is written on all the walls is, like, so clearly a yeah. connection. I love when Bugliosi just, sh- like, 
throws a little bit of shade. A little bit of shade? The LA Sheriff's Organization and um, the LAPD for basically being like, well, apparently they didn't really seem to think that that warranted a connection. Right. Well, and I, but I, but I will say in defense of the police, the effing media leaked everything. I know. So like... It very well could have been a copycat because they'd read yeah. the whole thing in the paper. Yeah. And so completely. nothing was withheld. Yeah. And then it's also, like, really screws up their investigation because then there's no facts that's not known by that only all the, the public. Yeah. yeah. They had, like, three things, and it was like, oh, there was, like, a weird – there were glasses and, like, a weird Which could knife. have literally nothing to do with yeah. it. Um, yeah, that was – but I will say I've never understood, and being a person, I you know, I have no experience with law enforcement or anything. I've never understood, um, like, territory battles or, like, um, jurisdiction stuff. Like, when the sheriff's department or the sheriff's office yeah. and the police department or, like, when the FBI, like, when they all just, like... When, Piss on everything. Yeah, or, like, they don't, like, work together. Like, I just don't understand that move. Because the, I don't know that there's a person in America who's going to say, I wish you two wouldn't work together to solve this case. But I think it's also, like, a little bit of a street cred thing. Because I think, like, they want to be the ones who catch them. But it's going to make you look worse. I know. Like, it makes them look so much worse that they probably could have connected the Tate and LaBianca murders so much faster. Um if they had talked to each other or, like, really listened to each other at first. And not to say they would have solved the case any faster or whatever, um, but I just think it, like, everybody's going to say, wow, you were really mature, and, like, you worked together and you did the right thing and we got the bad guy. As opposed to, like, you know, and not to say the LAPD doesn't know how to deal with murder because they definitely do, but it's, like, when, like, small towns do that and they're like, we don't want the FBI coming in here. We don't want the BAU here. It's this like, is okay, our turf. Murders? You don't know us. Yeah, like, how many murders have you solved? None. Like, teeny tiny town in Iowa. Um, I'm just going to immediately do a corrections corner so we don't even have to wait till next week. I called her Ann Folger. Her name is Abigail. Abigail so. I think Susan Atkins calls her Ann Folger okay. when she's telling either Ronnie or Virginia. Okay. Well, then it's, so, you know, understandable. You know, you're just going off of her account. Uh, yeah, I'm just a bit of a Sadie or whatever her name is. Okay. Um, the other shitty thing the media does is they make shit up all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah. I honestly, I honestly, until I read this, thought that they cut Sharon Tate's baby out. Just because it's such a horrible thing. And that I think, like, they don't say it in any of the other, like, stuff that I've listened to. But I think it's just something that sticks in your brain. Like, oh, yeah, yeah and that's what they did, right? Yeah, which, I mean, it was the plan. Yes. But it doesn't happen. Yeah, I know. Well, and, like, and I think, like, they also just, like, really ran with a lot of stuff. They're like, yeah, it was a sex party gone wrong. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, no, it was not. I did love that little detail where it was, like, the entire L.A. sewer system is high right now. Because every, like, celebrity in L.A. thought that they were going to end up getting talked to about the Cielo Drive murders. And so they just flushed all their drugs. It's like, what are you doing, Hollywood, in the 60s? A lot. (laughs) Just doing a lot of drugs. Um, Well, because they found a lot of drugs at Cielo Drive. But, I mean, I don't think that was that uncommon. They didn't find, like, a lot, a lot of drugs either. Like, they found some drugs. But it was, like, mostly Abigail and... Voychecks, right, and and it's like I think like Sharon Sharon Tate had like a little bit of weed, but like yeah. I mean honestly though it was the sixties. Like yeah. also like I'm people sure did LSD nauseous. very occasionally. Yeah, LSD for a while in the sixties was legal. 
Which, yeah. Okay. I know. I don't know. Um, I would like to note that I think the names in this whole thing are so good. Jay Sebring. I know, that's a Patricia hot name. Patricia Krenwinkle. Yeah, no, they are good. They're like Harry Potter names. Well, Bobby Beausoleil. Linda Kasabian. Yeah, no, they are good. <laughs> well, also the names that they, like, the, like, monikers that they have, too, are, like, cool as fuck. Like, Sadie Mae Glutz. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> the, like other ones, too. I mean, I'm not going to remember any of them at the moment, but, like, Squeaky and, like... Gypsy. Lil Peggy or something. <laughs> well, what's interesting to me about the names that the Manson... So they're all given to them by Charlie. Yeah. But what I think is interesting is that some of them are like Sadie, like sexy Sadie and, you know, squeaky. Yeah. Um, little, little petty or like whatever. Yeah. And then some of them are like Brenda McCann. <laughs> it's just like he just was like, I... It kind of reminds me of... There's a scene in Parks and Rec where... Um, <laughs> John Ralphio is like, Ben, no, I hate that name. Your name is now Leonardo. Leonardo, no, it's Jello Shot. How you doing, J-Shot? <laughs> <laughs> Which, obviously, Charles Manson was infinitely more ill-willed than John Ralphio. But, like, yeah, I like the idea that he would give them sometimes just, like, normal names just because it was, like, he needed to rename them so that he they were his. Yeah. And then sometimes they would have names like Gypsy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, okay, like, this, this case also has, like, the hallmark of every, like, good, um, police TV show, too. It's, like, they have a psychic come, come in yes, to help. perfect. Which, like, they publish all these I'm photos. sorry. Roman. Roman? What, what are you doing? Why I, would you bring a life photographer with you? Like, I mean, I don't I think. I thought that was bizarre. I think. And maybe they excuse it as just, like, he doesn't even know what he's up to. Yeah. And this, I, I will also preface this by, like, any talk that we do about Roman Polanski, like, not that, I don't know, I just think that we're talking about him in the context of, like, the aftermath of these, the direct aftermath of these murders and not the fact that he's going to go on to rape a 13-year-old girl. Oh, shit, does that happen? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. When? Like, like recently? No, no, no. I mean, like, it, I mean, it's more recent than the the Cielo Drive murders, but it was in like the seventies. I 70s. like that we like now. Now, now that. I'm making a conscious effort. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was in the seventies or eighties. He like gets a girl high on quaaludes, and he <sighs> thought she was older and thirteen. Are you fucking She's kidding 13. me? She's thirteen. Like, also, he can't come back to America because he will be arrested. Good, don't come reason. back. We don't want you back. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, so good. Then I have a bunch of shit to say about Roman Polanski <laughs> later on in this. But um, um, so but let me just first like get my bit out about fucking psychics on crime. Yeah. Here's the thing. You're I, lying. Well, okay. <laughs> I believe in psychics. Like I believe they exist. Okay. The ones who flock to crime and ask ask for thousands of dollars from the family mm-hmm. are always lying. Yes. Because you know what? If you really are psychic and you really have this gift, mm-hmm. you are not you like you would want to help. Like you would want to mm-hmm. like like for example, um, I think it's the the Jacob Wetterling case. Have you heard about that? It's the one on Someone Knows Something. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I think. Yeah. Shit, I hope that's right. I'm, like, very suspicious of anyone I can see moving around in the background. I think that's the Jacob Wetterling thing. I think that's... Anyway. Um, 
Pretty sure. Anyway. That name sounds familiar, and when you said that name, I thought, isn't that the kid from Someone Knows Something? Yeah, okay. So um, this is a kid who goes missing in Canada, and, like, he's never found, and, like, we don't know if he was taken or, Mm -hmm. like, drowned or whatever. Right. And so, like, so many psychics came and, like, basically drained the family of all of their money because the family was like, we we will do anything to get our kid back. And so, like, (sighs) yeah, and, and of course, like, none of them know anything. But it's, like, like, you're not going to say, like, hey, if you give me, like, 10 grand, I'll tell you where the body of your six-year-old is. Like, no, you will not. That's that's, despicable. Like, if you know where that kid is, you will tell them and you will do it because you're not a monster. Yeah. But, like, also, like, psychics are, like, these psychics are also, like, all media whores. And so, like... Um, this also happened with the Boston Strangler case where they had mm-hmm. him come on. He, like, tells all these facts. It gets the police all, like, yeah, like, this sounds right. Like, this sounds legit. And then, like, messes, up, messes no. up a bunch of stuff. I know, Boston. Like, you're supposed to be Catholic and, like, <laughs> this most skeptical not believe. Yeah, you're supposed to not believe in that witchcraft. <laughs> it could be a lot easier if we could just ask the psychic what's going on. I know. So I mean, that's I, what we'll do. I know. God, Jesus. God bless. But um, anyway, it just, like... Like, those people are scum of the earth. Like, I really have no patience or tolerance for it. But then also, in all crime TV, if a psychic is ever on it, they always are really... Like, it always ends with, like, something Them that... winking. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, ends with something where, like, they knew all along. Or, mm-hmm. like, something they said was legit. They do that on Bones. It's not right. Cindy Lauper is the, is me- the, is the medium. <laughs> I mean, that checks out. That, that checks out. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they do it on a lot of stuff, um, but it's frankly irresponsible because most of the time these people are charlatans. So. <laughs> um, how would you like to be William Garretson? Not much. <laughs> um, that poor, so William Garretson was the caretaker, um, at Cielo Drive. He reminds me of Cato Kalin in, yeah, in the OJ case. And he's, he was home all night and literally like honestly didn't hear anything, which, which the opening kind of says, like, the canyons kind of play tricks on you. Yeah. And that, like, he was listening to the stereo at a certain volume and just, like, the way that, like, the acoustics of the property worked. Like, he yeah. honestly didn't hear anything, which obviously at first sounds like bullshit because people, like, from blocks away were like, yeah, we heard gunshots and we heard screaming. Right. And he was there. Right. And they booked him for murder. And he was like, no, 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 no. They booked him for murder and his friend was murdered. Yeah. And he who didn't he didn't recognize. even recognize because he had been, like, so brutalized. What's the saddest is when he does his um, lie detector test and they ask him if he was responsible for Steve Parent's murder. And he says yes because he's like, I mean. He wouldn't have been there if I wasn't there. I know. I know. And they're like, all right, we'll rephrase it. Did you kill him? And he's like, oh, well, no. Yeah, well, so although sad. I will say, like, I don't know that Cato Kalin is innocent of this, but I do think William Garrettson is. But, oh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't, like, I feel like Cato Kalin knows more than he's saying, you know what I mean? Um, but, um, anyway, it just, like, also, did you see the picture of Steve Parent in this book? He's adorable. He's He is 10 years old. Like, he is he's, a sweet he baby is. angel. He is. He's 10 at his little prom. It's so sad. It's so sad. And, like, and here's the thing that really sucks is that, I didn't even know that, like, there yeah, was a kid I always that died there. about that. Well, I had no idea. And Abigail Folger really bummed me out, too, that she was, like, going to therapy five days a week and was, like, working up the courage to leave Wojciech and, like, get clean. And her therapist thought she was, like, finally going to do it. And then she gets brutally murdered. 
just because she was there. I know. If we can move, do you have anything more that you want to say about, like, the Cielo Drive murders from that section of the book? Or do you want to move to the LaBianca? Because I have a lot to say about Joe Dorgan. Can I say something? Wait, can I say something about Roman Polanski or is that later? Yeah, no, 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 you can say, yeah. Like, could he be worse, though? No. Like, reading about him and, like, his basically, like, inability to... Oh, he's like, like, yeah, I play around all the time. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, yeah, I cheat on her all the time. It's not a big thing. Like, or, like, like they asked her, like, uh, or they asked, oh, like, do you think that, like, she was having an affair with J.C. Bring? And he was like, no way. Like, I'm the only one who has affairs. I'm like, <laughs> what a dick, Roman Polanski. You're the worst. <laughs> yeah, and I love... I feel like his whole thing is, like, I'm European. Like, I just, you know, it doesn't... Everybody's cool with that. I do he think is bizarre that, looking as well, <laughs> by the I way. I do think that J.C. Bring and Sharon Tate's relationship is kind of weird. Like, I feel like in another world, J.C. Bring would be the one who kills Sharon Tate. Although J.C. Bring is pretty hot. Like, I'm he not going to lie. But I feel like I could see him, like, losing his mind. Why? I don't know. They were just so close. Like, they had such, like, a... Like, I th- I just think it's pretty bizarre that they he was so in love with her and that she's basically like, yeah, I've been seeing Roman Polanski for the last couple months while you... Like, they were not broken up when she started yeah, seeing Roman. And then she was like, let's break up. And he was like, okay, but I'll still be your friend. And her and Roman were like, okay, that sounds good. Like, that's just, like, how... I don't understand how you do that. I guess, like, part of me, though, wonders if, like, a little bit of, a little bit of that is, like, Hollywood, though, too. Like, you can't avoid these people. Like, they're yeah, all yes. at the same parties all the time. That's true. I feel like I do hear a lot about that. Like, I listen to You Must Remember This. Like, I listen to the Manson episodes, but yeah. I also, like... And I feel like when couples break up, they kind of stay friends yeah or like they end up saying i mean like frank sinatra was still in mia farrow's life like long after they got divorced and he divorced her in a really brutal way yeah i mean i I just like i also think like it's possible too that like jay sebring was maybe biding his time and being like this roman Roman polanski thing is not gonna pan out and so like i think he was basically like keeping close for when she was but then like you also find out that he was like really into like snm yeah. So I could just see, like, things building to a fever pitch. I guess, but I al- it also seems like he, like, had a lot of other women to keep him busy. Yeah. Like, like it's not like he was, was his, like, innocently waiting. Yeah. But, no, I know. But I, <laughs> I, I, I think, like... No, I know what you mean, too, but I just always have thought... Like, I've always bumped on that, like, detail. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a girl who stays friends with her exes, so... Especially if you find out that, that you've... They've been cheating cheating on them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it kind of reminds me a little bit though, like I'm right now in the part of sex, I'm right now in the part of sex in the city where Mm -hmm. she gets back with Aiden again. And like Big is like calling her all the time. I hate that part. It's gross. (laughs) But it's also. Because I hate Aiden so much in that. (laughs) I know. It's bad. But so, but like I can, like I can see Carrie and Big staying friends. That's true. In a way that, like, because they kind of do. Like, if they run into each other, like, oh, hey, stranger. Yeah. You know, whereas, like, Aiden and Carrie cannot be friends no, no, no. if they're yeah. not together. Yeah. Um, f- moving to the LaBianca murders, what a gem Joe Dorgan is. He's, like, worried about disturbing evidence. As soon- He's the one who, like, they, he and, like, a couple other people are the ones who find the bodies 
And so when he walks in, he's like, oh, shit, like, I can't be in here. Like, I don't oh. – he didn't use the phone there to oh, call the police. Right. yeah. Because he was like, I don't want to disturb evidence. And then he went and he knocked on that person's door and was like, I need to call. Someone's been killed. And they're like, I'll call for you. Oh, Which, that's right. You know yes. what? Frankly, that's a good move. They could be the killer. But Joe Dorgan is like, doesn't take that person's word for it and shouldn't have because I think they called the police and they're like, kids are outside causing oh, that's trouble. that's right. Yeah. And he goes is to he another person's house. Who is that? Shh, shh, shh. I think he's their stepson. Okay, okay. Um, well, so he's one of their sons. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, if they had let him inside, that's like usually how most horror movies start. Yeah. It's like, oh, I just need to use your phone so I can call the police. And then you get murdered. Yeah, no need. <laughs> yeah, fuck politeness. Don't do that. <laughs> but um, I also think, too, though... That I mean, I would hope that you can tell when somebody is really in crisis. Like, I also, like, ha- like have you ever seen in movies, like, I, I can't remember which one movie it was now, but it's, like, a girl is, like, being pursued by somebody and, like, is, like, knocking on people's doors and, like, nobody will let her in. Mm-hmm. And I like oh. to think that I would let her in. Yeah, but you just don't know. I know. But I guess, or, like, the girl who, like, um, whose arms got cut off and that yeah. I survived... Well, I feel he, like if she's missing arms, you would probably pick her up and take her to the hospital. <laughs> but, I mean, that one couple didn't. And, you know, that's fair. She looked like a horror movie. There's two men. Like, yeah, they were like, no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> we don't want trouble. I don't know. I just don't know that that's fair. I think that's, like, a real dick move. Yeah, if someone's missing arms and, like, looks like... Like, covered in blood. Yeah. Like, I mean, what do you think? I, I might at least call the police. I might not pick them up. But I would, at least. I would call the police. Yeah. Um, I have a note here that says Officer Rodriguez has never discovered a body before. So great. So he's inexperienced and he's going to be scarred for life. (sighs) I know. There's another person. I think it's like a kid discovers a gun. And so like he like knows how to handle it because he's like watched a lot of movies. The civilians in this case are really, truly top notch. But then, of course, the police grab it right by the handle. I'm like, you guys. (laughs) You guys! What's also crazy about that is that the police sent 300 flyers looking for that gun, and then somehow a flyer never got sent to that police department. Like, it's one of, like, the weird I things in that. Like, it's just bizarre. And it's not like it's not like they were like, oh, we don't need to send one to that one. It was just like, it just didn't get sent for, like, no reason. Which is just, like, such a bizarre detail for the case. Um, I also, <laughs> speaking of um, awesome civilians, Sharon Tate's dad goes undercover as a hippie, like, drug yes, lord. because he's like, listen, I was Army Intelligence. I've got it. I, like, like he's basically Liam Neeson in <laughs> yes. Taken. I'm like, fuck yeah, Sharon Tate's dad. Like, you, yeah, you do he's it. He's on it. He's I really love that it. detail. I also have a note that says the Mansons were dumb not to steal cash. They had nothing. They had nothing at Spawn Ranch. Nothing at Barker Ranch. It's, it sounds pretty gross out there. Oh, it sounds god awful. Um, it's like also, also like the weird detail of like always women in the bushes there too. Like <laughs> it's very odd that they keep bringing up like, well, it's they're hiding. I don't <laughs> think they stayed there. But that's what it makes it seem like is like the way that Vincent Bugliosi describes it. It's like women like hid in the bushes. I'm like. That, like, always. <laughs> Every time anyone goes there, like, women were in the bushes. I'm like, what are they, they doing in there? They trying to get arrested. <sighs> um, 
I have here the quote I pulled out. In each case written in in the blood of one of the victims, Sergeant Buckles still didn't think it important enough to check further. Shade from Vincent Bugliosi. Like, but how many cases do you see words like pig, political piggy, pig, rot, like all that stuff, like, and you don't. Well, also, like, even the fact that anyone's writing anything with blood on the wall is, like, that's not your normal every day. Yeah. But I do, I guess I can see how they were, like, the LaBianca murder is probably a copycat. But I can understand that, too. But, like, I don't know. But it's obviously, like, hindsight is 2020. Hindsight's 2020. But it's also, like, the Hinman murders are, like, completely ignored. Oh, yeah, totally. But, and I think part of that is that, like, he wasn't high profile, and so they were like, well, like, these people would never know each other. Yeah. But, well, like, that also makes it really difficult. It's like, I mean, like, 90% of murders are committed by people that know the victims. Right. And so, and I, like, I think about this all the time when, like, you think about like, serial killers. It's like, it's frankly improbable that serial killers are ever caught because it's just like, how do you, how do you connect someone to that? I mean, like, the only reason the Mansons were caught is because they're stupid. And they can't keep their damn mouth shut. No. Also, like, not only did Rosemary LaBianca attempt to fight off Patricia Krenwinkel, but, like, shouts out to her for rising from the ashes of a bad childhood and making $2.6 million. I know. Yeah. Yeah, girl. And then not using it to pay off her husband's deaths. Like, that's her money. (laughs) (laughs) Love her. Yes, Rosemary. Yes. Yes. Like, your husband has a gambling addiction, but you're like, my money is my own. I like it. You will not have it. Yeah, perfect. Well, if you, if you give it to your gambling addiction husband, he will burn through it in, like, yes. two years. 100%. So, no. Um, let's see. Um, also very sad that their friend, um, like, I think he was, like, friends with the um, Cielo Drive murder victims, mm-hmm. committed suicide because he was so stressed out that he thought he would be next. Zero? No. Oh, no. Wait. Steve, his name's Steve Brandt. Oh, Yeah. I must. I think I missed that. Yeah, like he, like, like the anxiety in Hollywood is so like bad that they mm-hmm. think that like they're gonna be killed next, and so he just offed himself to avoid it. <laughs> Which, like, Steve. I mean, <laughs> Steve, maybe just get a guard dog like everyone else did. <laughs> Poor Steve. Or a gun. <laughs> I also have a note here that says, "I love that Sharon Tate, nine months pregnant, wore mostly bikini bottoms and bras during the day." Yeah, like, love her. Living your best life. I know. Except for your husband abandoned you. I um, I just I I don't know. I also I just really dislike the way that the media talked about the murders in general too, because it's always the Tate murders. It's like four other people died, and they're also so hungry for like that all the like horrible like they cut out her baby and their stab and wounds like wounds and and like her and J C. Bring like lovers were like tied together. Yeah, which like. It's like they made you guys it so are salacious. When really, when you think about it, like, and I think this is why I've been having dreams about it, because both of my dreams have been trying to escape from the Manson family, and so it's just like when you think about the terror of like oh, Abigail no. Folger running out of the back door of that house trying to get away and getting like caught and I stabbed know. to death, like I know. it's horrific, and the media treated it like it was, you know entertainment right and it was like something to sell papers 
Oh, yeah, 100%. But that being said, horrors aside, it's never not funny to me that the Manson family was making dune buggies. Every time I, know, I read what? the word dune buggies, I'm like, what the fuck? I know. <laughs> what are they doing? I don't know. Trying to get into the desert so they can go underground, which that that this will come, I think, in later things of, like, what the fuck they were up to. Because they have to get a motive, which I'm sure was an experience for everyone. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, being... So, like, Virginia and Ronnie were two Oh, those are my inmates. favorite characters. I fucking love them. They're two inmates that were in jail. So, basically, what happens is Susan Atkins and Bobby Beausoleil are arrested after Spawn Ranch is raided because they think... They're involved in the Gary Hinman murders. Yeah, well, they're kept because of that, but, yeah. like... Susan Atkins and Bobby Beausoleil and a number of other Manson family members are arrested initially because they think they're involved in a huge auto theft ring, which they are. Which they are. Yeah. Which, like, I loved reading. They were like, all of the cars on their property were stolen, but there wasn't enough evidence to tell. I'm like, what? Well, I think it was probably, like, there wasn't <laughs> enough evidence to implicate any one of them. Yeah. Because it wasn't clear who was stealing what. It was like they were all just like, we're just here. Like, yeah. we're just here, man. We're just. That's the other thing I really love is when the cops have to talk to all these fucking hippies. <laughs> and so it's like all the verbatim is like, what do you know about this? Man, they were the coolest cat around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we weren't trying to hurt nobody. I was like, what's your issue? Like, what are you saying? Um, but so Susan oh, Atkins God. and Bobby Beausoleil are held in suspicion of the Gary Hinman murders. Um, because Bobby Beausoleil, in trying to make it look like the Black Panthers had committed the crime, which left his uh, own fucking handprint. Um, and then Susan Atkins is later implicated. And as soon as she's in jail, she's just like, hey, Ronnie, Virginia, gather close and I will tell you. Okay. But so Ronnie and Virginia are like former call girls who have both been married to the same man. Yes. But like are still homegirls. Like They're they, out to do the right thing. Yeah. And like they are just... Like, they've seen, you know, they've seen some stuff, but, like, when they hear Susan Atkins bragging about these crimes, they're like, this is not great, and they yeah. both report it. Yeah. Separately. Which, which, like, maybe, and, like, Charles Manson also brags about killing people. Clem bragged about killing people. Like, maybe if you're going to commit a crime like that, maybe don't tell anybody. Well, and I think the thing, too, is, like, or, like, a big theme throughout this case is... Nobody listens to, like, people who are lower class or, yeah. like, on the outskirts. They're, like, what you have to say is, un- it, like, it's not helpful to us. Like, no thanks. Mm-hmm. Like, this is high profile. You don't have anything to do with it. Right. Well, like, especially, well, like, in terms of Ronnie and it's not Danny DiCarlo. It's, um. Yeah, it is, right? He's one of them, but it's also that Springer, Al Springer. Oh, the like, other I have biker. No, yeah, like, these are people that, like. The clean biker. Yeah. <laughs> Love him. Well, it's, like, these are people that probably, like, nine times out of ten, especially, like, jailhouse confessions or, like, jail information, it's, like, nine times out of ten that person is, like, okay, but I'm going to tell you this so I can get a lesser sentence. And so maybe it's not as reliable. So I feel like maybe eight to nine times out of ten their information isn't as reliable. But it's, like, all of these people, all of these civilians are telling the truth. Well, and that's also just such an insane story. But they also, like, can't even get a hold of anybody to tell is the thing. Well, and also, like, the police, like, really can't believe them because the media has told everybody everything. So it's not, like, I think the only reason they believe Ronnie is because she knows, she's like, yeah, Susan left her knife behind. 
Yeah. And which even that, they're like, that's not even like anyone could say that and not know that there was a knife left there. Like, that's not even, you know, it's not like they had kept that there was writing on the wall. And Susan was like, yeah, and we wrote all this shit on the wall. Right. She's, Susan Atkins is like really scary. She's Looney Tunes. Um, well, and I think that's also what's upsetting me even more is, like, how she young... She makes me the, the... She's the worst. The girls are really upsetting me in that it's, like, they they were so young when they joined the family that they... Like, Charles Manson ruined their lives. Like, Susan Atkins died in jail. She got cancer and she... And, I mean, I think maybe after, like, the 20th time you've plunged a knife into somebody's chest like you have to take responsibility for your own actions and I don't think that any of the Manson girls like I mean obviously we can talk about this later but it's like I don't think any of them necessarily deserve to be forgiven or let out of prison for what they did because I mean again if like you know Linda Kasabian didn't kill anybody um but it's like they did all that stuff because they were 100% devoted to Charles Manson because they wanted to be loved. And he made them feel like he loved them and brainwashed them by ruining their lives with drugs and yeah. crazy talk. I know. But it's also, too, like, these girls, like, were vulnerable in the first yeah. place. And he preyed on them. Yeah, of course. Like, some of them came from broken homes and some of them came from... Even the ones that came from wealth were girls that were unsatisfied and feeling like... Like, probably, probably neglected. Yeah. Society didn't give a shit about them. And here was a person who was... Whose love. Ugh, yuck. Whose pure love, man. Yuck, 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 yuck. Well, and it's like... Because I think that's what you have to reckon with is, like, what were the girls getting out of this? If they are being treated pretty bad. Like, Charles Manson would just be like, yeah, you can, like, have sex with... Like... Come protect me, straight Satans, and you can basically have your pick of my ladies. But it also makes a lot of sense because, like, Charles Manson was a pimp for, like, a period of time. And, like, that's exactly what pimps do is, like, they basically make you entirely, like, rely on them and Mm -hmm. love them. And so then you're willing to do whatever it takes to please them. Yeah, and he made them feel like he was protecting them. He also filled Susan with that idea that that all of life is intercourse because you're always putting things in and taking them out. Yeah, which, okay. It's like, that's a gross way to think about life, but fine. Um, yeah. Th- ha- you Did you watch The Deuce or no? No. Okay. I didn't love it, but I did watch the whole thing. But that's, like, about, like, sex workers, and mm-hmm. there's a lot about, like, pimps controlling women and how that works and yeah. whatever. I have a note here. Springer at one point says that he had said to Charles Manson, what's your thing, man? Run your trip down. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. know. You're asking the wrong guy. I did grow up in San Francisco, but I don't know that one. I guess he was just like, and then I also have a note. This is Charlie had a thing about dune buggies. He definitely did. Yeah, I know. They talk about dune buggies quite a bit. That's what they're, I love that detail of when they raided the Barker Ranch, or maybe it was the Myers Ranch, and they, like, found a dune buggy, and they're like, that doesn't have an engine in it, though, so it's fine. And then they pull it. The Hansons, like, pull the engine out, out of a bush. <laughs> like, that's they're always in bushes. And they drive away. Oh. Jesus. 
And they also said, do you know that it's a $25,000 reward for the Tate murders? And Springer says, yeah, and I and sure, sure could use it. it. Good yeah. bless him. I love him. Good bless. Good bless. But he's yeah. trying to do the right thing. He is. Well, and he, like... And he convinces Danny DiCarlo to talk. Yeah. Well, and I love that, like, they talk about him. They're like, what the heck? Like, he's clean and monogamous. Like, this yeah. isn't my kind of biker. Is there a gal you see much of? Just my wife and kids. I know. God bless. Like. <laughs> I love him. Have you heard, um, speaking of, just to, like, do some nice talk about biker gangs. Have you heard of the um, female biker gang who deliver breast milk to, um like foster homes and stuff that like need to feed babies that's adorable because like it like it basically or no no it's is it no it's to hospitals it's to hospitals with like newborns um that like they're like really short on breast milk and i Mm -hmm. guess like because it's like they can't keep that much on on tap or whatever right and like that's the fastest way to get it and so like they like will like zoom through traffic with like breast milks on the back of their bikes Aww. and they're just like these like tough looking ladies and like showing up it's really cool that's amazing yeah love also once Danny so Danny DiCarlo and Al Springer are both members of the Straight Satans yes. and the reason that they're part of this story is because Charles Manson wanted protection because, and he wanted to hire them, right? Yeah, he wanted to hire them basically to protect him and to protect the girls. Because a lot of people were, like, rolling in and out of Spawn Ranch all the fucking time. Like, including celebrities. And they would be harassing the girls, harassing Charlie, whatever. And Charlie's, like, five foot tall. He's five two. He which can is, fit in a cupboard. Which is shorter than me. Which, <laughs> like, I'm not very tall. He's teeny tiny. He's two inches shorter than me. Yeah. Or he was. He He's was. He's dead now. Yeah. Rest in hell. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> seriously, um, so he tries to hire the straight Satans. Um, Al is like, no, everything there was dirty, and I didn't want to be there. The man <laughs> I know, were I love the. I want everyone's be- getting like the clap from yeah. them. Yeah, Danny, however, got like kind of brainwashed and yeah, to hanging out there for a while, which is why he's like pretty good for information. Yeah, um, but I love that they're asking. Um, like, Danny DiCarlo is, like, basically just, like, recounting everything that he's ever heard about, heard the Manson's talking about that was involved with murder. And at one point, the cops say, there's just so many murders now. It's like, I, they just brought, a little overwhelmed. They start talking, I think, to Al and Danny. And a lot of these people, it's like, they kind of start talking to them because of the Hinman murders. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, no, 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 Charlie's killed, like, at least 12 people. Yeah. If not more. Like, there are 12 that we, like, can pretty much also It's also even more confused by the fact that Tex is also named Uh, Charlie. Yeah. And so, like, they keep confusing Mm -hmm. them, and that, like, causes a lot of issues. Right. Um, I also like that we do get kind of, like, a little bio about Charles Manson because then I think he does start to make sense. About him as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he had the typical your makings of a monster terrible childhood where he was in prison. He was literally in prison for most of his life before he was even convicted of the Manson He was institutionalized for like 17 years before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's like one of their psychiatrists makes a note that it's like he just, he needs power and he needs love which is exactly what he got when he created the family 
Yeah. Like, he the was thing, able but, to prey on, like, strung-out hippies and tell them, I can protect you and, you know, everything will be great. Well, he's also, like, very clearly a sociopath. Yeah. And they let him take a Dale Carnegie Carnegie class. I know. I was like, oh, good. Teach Charles Manson how to win friends and influence people. I know. It's exactly what he needs. I know. Which Jesus. he, like, then applies to pimping, which is, like, yeah. I'm, like, not sure that that's what Dale Carnegie <laughs> had in mind. Also, Charlie, just stop stealing cars. I know. Why do you keep doing I that? Know. He always gets caught. I know. He always gets caught. I love the detail about how, like, because he kept get, kept getting caught for federal crimes, he was, um, like, put away for, like, three times as long. Yeah. Like, if he had been caught for state crimes, like, similar things. Yeah. Like, if he had stopped stealing mail, essentially. like <laughs> Stop he, stealing mail. Stop taking cars over state lines. Like, he would have only been in jail for five years, but instead he was, like, away for 17. But at one point he asks to stay in jail. I thought like that was, he, like, a weird trick. I mean, it might have been, but it was, like, all he knows and understands. And also, when he was a kid and his – but I do think he felt safer there because I think he understood how it worked. Yeah. Whereas I don't think he ever really was able to figure out the real world, which is why he had to create his own. Yeah. Because when his aunt is, like, I'm going to come and get you, he, like, sodomizes that child so I that know. he has to stay in for another five years. I know. And he was, like, being really good up until then. I know. Which, that's a horrible detail. I know. Um, well, and that's the thing. So, like, at the beginning of, like, Char- Charlie's, like, the, like, sort of biography of, that they do of him, like, I was sort of like, this is kind of fun. Like, he's 13 and, like, breaking out of jail and stealing cars. He's and, very like, good at breaking I'm out I'm like, this is kind of fun. And then, like, he rapes that little boy. I'm like, okay, that's enough. Like, you're yeah. you're done. You're done. <laughs> like, you're not, you're jail not forever, cute please. anymore. Yeah. Well, that's what, what's incredible is that he ever got out of prison. I know. I mean, he literally got out of prison. And, but like, he also was a child. I mean, it's like, yeah. like but I, like, but one the of thing the last that, times he got, gets out of prison is, like, in the late 60s. Like, if you just kept him in prison for, like, a couple more years, he wouldn't have been able to do what he did. I know. Well, but also, too, like, it surprises me that, the like, the fact that he's able to, like, rape that kid with a knife to his throat and, like, that just extends it for a couple more years. Yeah. I'm like, no. Like, he's... But he's still, like, he's only, like, 15. I know. So it's like he's still, like, tried as a kid. Yeah. It's god-awful. It's horrible. He's a terrible person. He is. Or he was. Yeah, he was. Um... Yeah, so the um, the podcast Young Charlie, like, they basically, like, tell the story of the murders and, like, and then juxtapose it with stories from his childhood. And then, like, you kind of can see connections between, mm-hmm. like, what happened and whatever. Um, but I will say, like, I am, I, like, was not that into that podcast. And, like, I'm much more interested now that I've been reading this book. Okay. Um, There's, like, a 10-episode stint um, on the podcast, you must remember this. That also talks about Charles Manson, and it's about like you must remember this is a podcast that tells the forgotten tales of um, the 20th century in Hollywood, and so it kind of focuses on a lot of the ties that Manson had to Hollywood, okay, which I had not previously known about that are interesting. Yeah, well, I feel like we can talk about this just quickly, just because I really want to. Yeah, um, but. So, like, the thing that I am obsessed with about this or, like, the most interested to mm-hmm. hear more about is the fact that Charles Manson was, like, buddies with the Beach Boys. Yeah. Well, with one Beach Boy. Okay. 
But he like the rest of the Beach Boys were like, Ugh. but he lived with him. Like I mean, it was like, yeah, yeah. He so, was like friends. Yeah, like good friends. Yeah, <clears throat> um, which I will say like the my very first crush in my life, like before Ron Weasley was the Beach Boys, like <laughs> as a collective. collective. <laughs> <laughs> like I like I remember as a kid, it was the first CD I ever bought, and I remember like thinking as like a seven year old girl being like yeah like that's what I want to marry is like an all American like tenor who sings in tight harmony love it like that's all I want Marshall's first like band that he was ever like vocally interested in was the Beach Boys and he would be like in the back seat be like mom can you put the Beach Boys in (laughs) I love the Beach Boys yeah um I played them all the time and um if you look at pictures of them, like, they are, like, not the cutest. And I think no. it, at the time, I did not realize they were, like, 80. <laughs> like, I, like, I was, like, thinking, like, these sound like boys in my high school. Like, <laughs> they're wholesome. They're wholesome. They are California boys. They, yeah. like, are very interested in California yeah. girls. I am one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the Beach Boys are hot, for sure. It should also be made clear that Brian Wilson was not the Beach Boy that... Charles Manson was best friends with his brother. It was his brother. Just because I just want to, I think like Brian Wilson had enough demons that he got a bad rap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No one believed in pet sounds when he first wrote it, and it's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Brian. See, I like the one with the high voice. Like, that's like, I'm not sure which one that is. Maybe Mike Love. I don't know. I'm not sure. Brian Wilson's the only name I know for sure. I feel like Brian Wilson, I mean, I don't know this for certain, but it seems to me that Brian Wilson is the low voice. I don't know. Sure. I should I should look it up, but um, but they're basically like they're like the California Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, mm-hmm. and I love them. Yeah, well, but it's also like the Beach Boys do become very important in this because it's I'm almost 100 percent sure that it's through um, Brian Wilson's brother that Charles Manson meets Terry Melcher, and Terry That's Melcher. Right. The reason Terry Melcher becomes important is that he owned. The house that Tate Cielo, was, yeah. was at Cielo Drive. And so Susan Atkins tells Ronnie in Virginia that the homes are being chosen randomly. And I think you can make that argument potentially for the LaBiancas. Because it's next door. But it's it's next door to a house they've already been to. So that yeah. one might have been, like, slightly random. But, but they also I don't could think have just that, made a mistake. Yes. And I don't think, I don't think that Charles Manson intended for Sharon Tate, Abigail Folger... Wojciech Frykowski and especially not little Stephen Parent and who am I forgetting? Jay Sebring. I don't think he thought they were there. I think he thought that Terry, Terry Melcher, Melcher was there. Yeah, I think you're with right. Candace Bergen. Yeah, I don't know. Um, which if they don't go into that later in the book, then we'll I probably think go I into think it. they're going to because well, I feel like they're getting yeah. closer to motive. Yes, we're not there yet. Though. Yeah, we've got to hear all about um, his religion. Bomb! I don't want to hear about that at all. If you're trying to start a cult, it is always a good idea to be like, "I am Jesus." Like even even the British monarchy does that. I know he does look the part. Well, because then it's like, if you're a deity, how can you say no? Yeah. Ugh. He he's the worst. Yeah. Um. Yikes. But how are you? Okay, so we can also talk about this in terms of like it being a book. Yeah. And I will say, like, it's taken me a while. Like, I used to not really be very into nonfiction. And I realized that I was just picking the wrong things. 
because it was like, you know, I would be like, I want to read this Marilyn Monroe biography. And then it would be like, she was born. I was like, no, boring. <laughs> Tell me about when she was famous. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, it's a matter of, first of all, like, writing styles are very important. Yeah. When you're reading nonfiction. And also just, like, it's so important to know, like, what about something is interesting to you and, like, if that writer is also interested in that. Yeah. So I... I think it's well done. I think it's great. Yeah, I think I think that um, Vincent Bugliosi, like, it's a little bit jarring when he inserts himself into the story. I think it's a little convenient <laughs> that he seems to have all the right ideas I when know. he gets into his job. I'm like, okay. Like, he's literally, like, when he does... <clears throat> so, there's a chapter, it's like when he finally gets the case put on his desk, and he gives us this whole spiel about how he's a defense attorney, or he's no, a he's prosecutor, works yeah. <clears> in <throat> the DA's office, that's where I got defense attorney from. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's just like, he doesn't believe in just convicting people. He doesn't have a conviction rate. He has a rate of justice. And I'm like, okay, which like, Vince. Which, like, by the way, like, <laughs> that means, like, like, you don't necessarily get to decide what you try like your boss is gonna be like yeah you're trying that sorry like yeah like i don't i don't know i thought it was a little (laughs) yeah i know he made himself sound like a sorkin character yeah i I know okay vince um but also like i mean i agree with all the ideas that he said which is like i mean like that's why i would like to be a prosecutor because like you're fighting for justice and like i don't think that i could ever represent somebody who i know is guilty yeah but i could drop charges on somebody who i know is innocent yeah like that's satisfying Mm -hmm. but i think also too like especially recently with like um serial and making a murderer like Mm -hmm. the heroes are the defense attorneys and Mm -hmm. like you know i mean we i guess we still have law and order where the prosecutors are the heroes but yeah and and people versus oj yeah and like prosecutors aren't evil no but i think that there's like sort of like an idea that like they're conservative or like Mm -hmm. you know whatever yeah well and i also i think vincent bugliosi does a really good job of even even when we're kind of like oh those cops are they're bungling things he humanizes them and like by bringing us into those moments of them walking into crime scenes it's like they're humanized for me in a way where I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, people make mistakes, but it's just so much higher stakes Yeah, with these murders. Well, and I think it also is now, like, it, I understand a little bit better the first part, the narration style of the first part now that he's in it, because it's not an impartial narrator in the beginning. Like, in some ways, it's written in, like, a very, like, factual, like, reporting kind of a way, mm-hmm. but it's also, like... There's sassy insertions, like, mm-hmm. throughout the whole book. Like, and guess now, he didn't think that was important yet. Yeah. Or, like, that would prove to be a mistake. Right. <laughs> Which but, I do like those because I'm always like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's like, okay, now I know who's talking. Mm-hmm. Where it's like if you have that, like, really, like, impersonal reporter style and then you have those things, it's sort of like, well, who, yeah. who is this coming from? But yeah. now we know. And we know that he's our hero because <laughs> he fights not to give Susan Atkins um, – Immunity. Immunity. Which I can't believe. Well, because they didn't know about Linda Kasabian yet, and they didn't know where she was. They only knew, like, there was a Linda, and she didn't seem to have killed anyone, and she didn't go to the LaBianca murders. But the idea that they wanted those murders convicted and the trial over, I mean, like, in fairness, because they were being torched by the press every single day. Right, but, like, that... You don't give someone like Susan Atkins immunity. (laughs) No! Like, that's, I mean... 
like you think you're getting torched by the press now like think about what we like when the blaze lowers and we're like shit you really messed up now yeah, welcome to we're electing a new da and yeah. a new attorney general <laughs> yeah um which like susan atkins to me like I know I said I wouldn't talk about this on air, but but the fact that she, like, is sexually abusing her infant. Ugh. And then, like, I mean, she, like, is just terrible. Yeah. And I don't want her coming out of jail. She's dead. I know. But I know. But, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I do not want her leaving yeah. jail ever yeah. in this book. Like, I do not like that idea. Yeah. I do not want her to have immunity. Yeah. And especially because she clearly is into murder. Like, she loved it. Well, if she it. had immunity, she would have just gone out with Squeaky and they would have been, like, killing people. Like, she needed to be in jail so she could... She would have done it again. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I guarantee you she would have done it again. Yeah, because she would have fallen back in with, like, all the people that were still out. Well, and I think, too, like, she might necessarily not... Might not have done this necessarily on her own. But now I think that she had had the taste of it. I think she would have continued on her own because she... I think she says, like... She liked killing people. Yeah, once you murder someone, like, you do want to do it more. And I think... Because she was so brainwashed by Charles Manson, like, she needed to be in jail for, like, a lot... A long time before she could really... I don't know. And (laughs) come back from that. Yeah. And the whole idea of brainwashing is, like, very... Like, I don't, like, quite understand it. And... I mean, I know that it's real. Oh, see, I, like, really buy that. Like, I don't think that... I think that those women were 100% under his control in, like, a very real way. Because they were so... Like, they were using acid every single day. Yeah. And it was, like... And if you already kind of, like, have a low opinion of who you are and someone's filling you with all this ideas and purpose, it's, like, the... His preachings are too insane for someone who's not completely under someone's control to believe. Right. Like, I... No, I mean, I I completely believe that they're under his spell. It's just, like, brainwashing, like, in general. I think brainwashing is, like, the wrong word for it. Because I think it's literally, like... I think you are, like... I think it's, like, more like you're being hypnotized. And it's, it's like, an extension of that. Like, brainwashing seems to seems to suggest that like you can't really get out of it and I think it's just like it's like when people are in Scientology yeah and it's like if you're completely immersed in that world you don't ask questions but as soon as you start to the world falls apart well and I think too like in um like I I just listened to that podcast on Heaven's Gate have you listened to that one Mm-mm. like so like their interviews with people who, like, got out. And, like, what they also say, too, is, like, I really, I really wanted to believe. And, like, mm-hmm. even though, like, I might have had doubts sometimes, mm-hmm. like, that, like, the idea that this wasn't real was scarier. Yeah. You know? And so, so like, I think that there, like, is some kind of, like... Well, especially once you start doing things that are... Well, and I think, I mean, Heaven's Gate also, like, they weren't doing anything bad. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't, I mean, I think, like, they basically, I mean, they ended up all all killing themselves. But, like, it wasn't, like, they were kind of, like, new agey and, like, you know, they just, like, talked about aliens and, like, that sort of thing. Is Heaven's Gate, like, the whole, like, drinking the Kool-Aid? No, that's Jonestown. Oh, it is? Yeah. Jonestown is the one where they go to Africa, isn't it? Or is that Jane? That's yeah. Jonestown. Yeah. 
I thought it was like no. Didn't they go to South America? I thought they went to South Africa. I thought they went to Africa. We're doing a Google. We're gonna Google it. <laughs> Let's see. There's a map. I need a broader map. I can't tell at all. My <laughs> geography is my least strong suit. Wait, wait, wait. Click. Go back to that Jonestown thing. The Wikipedia. Yeah. Where is this? Oh, you're right. South America. Okay, I thought so. To be fair, I also just listened to a podcast about Jonestown. That's fair. Um, but, but yeah, that's the Kool-Aid one. Um, Heaven's Gate, uh, it was kind of weird. They, like, died in shifts. Oh. <clears throat> um, and they had two, like, it was, like, two leaders, and um, one of them died. Like, she got cancer and died. And, like, it was basically, like, this idea that, like, in order to, like, go in the spaceship, you had to, like, leave your mm-hmm. body. Yep. And so... I do know that one. Yeah. yeah. They, I think they also drank poison, but, like, Jonestown was much more um, coercive. Like, I would say Jonestown was, like, definitely a murder. Yeah. Whereas, like, um, Heaven's Gate, it was... Like, I mean, I think it was, like, certainly, like, that guy who founded Heaven's Gate was, like, abusive and, like, bad news, too. Um, and, like, it, I mean, I think cults are bad. But in terms of, like, how people were treated, it was better in Heaven's Gate. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I don't know, Jonestown was just, like, one of the things I didn't know about Jonestown was that he would basically make them do this test to, like, see, like, their loyalty to him. Like, would you kill yourself for me? Ew. And then, like, he kept having them do it where they would, like, drink something. And then, like, he would tell them it was poison. But then it wasn't. And he'd be like, good, like, you would have done it for me. Like, stuff like that. Jesus. And so, like, when they actually did die, like, they just thought it was a test. Because they had become so accustomed uh, to doing it. So, like, they didn't necessarily know that they were actually killing themselves. And he didn't die, did he? No, he did, I think. He also drank mm-hmm. the Kool-Aid? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Well, and I also, well, I think, like, that detail that you bring up in the LaBianca murders that Charlie had instructed Tex to make sure that all of the women were involved in the killings, it's like that's a mistake that they made in the Cielo Drive murders where Linda wasn't involved. She was there, but she didn't kill anyone. She didn't stab anyone. And it's like this Now idea she's just a witness, that, and that's the worst right. thing she, you can be. And, I mean, like, you are implicated because it's, like, it's not like you called the police or you didn't stop and whatever. But um, you're not going to be held to the same standard. No. And and you can easily cut a deal with that. And there's an idea that there's loyalty yeah. in killing someone for no reason. I mean, other than they were told that it was a crime to shock the world and they were going to start Helter Skelter, which I'm sure we're going to learn more about. about what that nightmare is. <laughs> yeah, like the poor Beatles are like, excuse me, we did not want you to use we our song. We were just song. getting high in India. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> we uh, Our song lyrics were not written specifically for you. I love, like, Paul McCartney, like, he doesn't address the Manson specifically, but he talks about the song Helter Skelter where he's basically like, I just, like, heard someone screaming, like, on, like, a song, and I thought that sounded kind of cool, and so, like, I wanted to do a song (laughs) where I was, like, kind of rough vocally, and so that's where it came from. Oh, 
my God. And it's also, it's like a bummer. It was a bummer to learn that the White Album served as Charles Manson's Bible um, uh, because yeah. it was the first Beatles album I ever listened to. My dad made me listen to it after um, a Kids Bop commercial came on once. And he was like, listen to some real music, Audrey. Literally. <laughs> and he made me listen to it. And my favorite song was Back in the USSR. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've actually been listening to the album Please Please Me. Mm. I like that one. Mm-hmm. I, even though that song is like basically about reciprocating oral sex. Yes. But like, it, it's a great song. It's a fun song. <laughs> It can be about don't else don't in like your the head. message, <laughs> but, but I like the beat. But I like the beat, <laughs> and I like those tight harmonies. I just yeah. that's what I like is just like yeah. tenors and tight harmonies. I mean Simon and Garfunkel. Yes, there you go. That's all I need in life. Oh Simon God. and Garfunkel. I love them. Um, Paul Simon would have had no tolerance for this. <laughs> he would have been like, "What? <laughs> like, don't use my songs. I'm just a soft-spoken <laughs> folk singer." <laughs> Speaking of also someone who's like five foot two. Yeah. Little teeny tiny man. I know. Big heart though. Yeah. Well, despite the fact that this book is literally giving me nightmares, I am addicted to it. I am enjoying it a lot. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back next week with more um, more Helter Skelter talk, more Charles Manson talk. And if you're not, um, this book is a little bit different from what we've done before and that it's it's about true stuff and... And so if you're one of those people that wasn't familiar with the Manson murders beforehand or you're feeling confused about how we're talking about facts or whatever, um, just let us know. They they could be wrong. Tweet us in the comments or tweet us in the comments. Tweet at us. um, Reviews are for positive things. So leave that out of there. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, definitely. Yeah. Give us some five stars. Yeah. Give us some love. Yeah. You can comment on Instagram, like really whatever, whatever you feel you need. Because we also like, again, like the Manson murders, despite the fact that they're horrific and horrible and also now giving me nightmares, it is my favorite crime. And so like I want everyone to really come away from this, like feeling like they know about what happened on Cielo Drive and to the LaBiancas and whatever. Steve Parent. And to Steve Parent. And to Gary. Gary Hinman. Gary Hinman. Um, so if you, like, have any questions or concerns or want us to go about this in a different way, just, like, let us know. Yeah. And also rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, bye. Bye.